Christ. Uh, what we exist as the church to do is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that's the moral excellence of Jesus. And so we're looking at that and celebrating that in this series. And so we begin here reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the first verse. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And then in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we're very excited that God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit. We believe that, we've been prophesying that and praying that, and I feel like God's been promising us that for quite a number of years. I mean, we've been actively here at City Temple praying into this reality since uh, probably 2009. Originally, we thought it might happen in 2010. Uh, It didn't quite happen at that time, but we've been praying into this, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do, and we're longing for that, and we're excited about it. But it's a temptation that everyone faces in every major move of the Holy Spirit, and this has happened throughout history. There's a temptation for us to think, ah, this is a new thing. This is something, it's the first time God has done something like this. This is great, this is exciting, you know, this is, this is a new thing. And oftentimes we use that language to compare ourselves to the old thing. You know, so we say, well, this is the new thing, and all you people who are stuck in that other thing are stuck in the old thing. You know, this is the new thing, and, and so it's really great that God has favored us with the new thing because this is the new thing that God is doing. But actually, when we use that kind of language, and certainly it's an Old Testament language, God saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing, look at it, uh, see if it's springing up. But even in that language, it's not talk, God's not talking about something completely new, completely different, but something that's fresh, a refreshing, a renewing kind of thing. Because in truth, do you know, God doesn't do new things. Not really. Well, God himself does new things. But there's not a lot of new things that happen. I remember a guy named Thomas Oden. He just uh, went to be with the Lord last year. He was a great theologian, uh, wrote a lot of books. And somebody asked him at one point in time, they said, what do you want people to write on your tombstone? What do you you want your epitaph to be? Now that might seem kind of gruesome, 
because sometimes we don't like to face that or think about that reality. But I love what he said. He said, I would like them to write on my grave. He added nothing new to theology. He added nothing new to theology. Because the reality in all of this, we can't say that God is doing this new thing with us and these other people are caught up in the old thing, that somehow the new thing that we perceive is better than the old thing that was there before. Because if we look deeply, we discover that all the stuff that we think is new is really not quite so new. I've been doing a lot of uh, reading and research, and as you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I preached an extensive sermon on, on us as sons of God and what does it mean to be a son of God, and there's a real temptation, you know, for people to think, ah, sons of God, that, you know, that's a new emphasis, and people haven't talked much about sons of God, and we can look back and then truly, we can say, yeah, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you weren't hearing people writing a lot of books on being a son of God and what that means and talking about sonship are talking about adoption and, and adoption. We believed in adoption, we've talked about, but you know, not really writing books and writing emphasis. And so suddenly we think, ah, okay, now we've discovered something new in theology, this idea of being a son of God. But actually, if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that in the 1600s, theologians were writing almost the exact same thing that people are writing today about being sons of God really not very different. Or another thing, you might start thinking about uh, five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and think, oh, you know, that was something that was lost uh, after the apostles died, but now about 30 years ago, we started to regain this. Until actually you read somebody like Thomas Goodwin, the founder of this church in 1640, uh, who, when you read his commentary on Ephesians, what he says about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers would be very at home in what we would teach about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And this is the reality. And this is so important to understand because ultimately God doesn't change. That's why we're not making new discoveries in theology. We're not making new discoveries about God because God has not changed. One of the greatest heresies that are at work in the world today, that's at work in the world today, is something called open theism. And if you ever hear about open theism, it is a heresy. It is a grievous error that will cause people to depart from the faith. Because open theism says that God doesn't really know the future. That God, he set things in motion, but he doesn't really know the outcome. He doesn't really know how it's going to all happen. He doesn't really want to know. Some open theists say that he, he doesn't know and he can't know. Other open theists says he chooses not to know. But the real problem with this, and by the way, open theism itself is not anything new. Back when I was in seminary, there was a whole movement called process theology, or in the American process theology, and in process theology, the idea was God is in process. That God grows, that God changes, that God discovers new things, that God learns, that God develops over time. And that is a grievous error because it's not biblical. The Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change. God does not change. The fancy word for that is immutability. God is unchanging. He does not change. And this is important because Jesus is the fullness of representation of who God is. So in other words, if you see Jesus, you're seeing God according to the Bible. So when you say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you're saying God the Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God says this himself to the prophets. He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. And we're saying that the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the focus for the writer to the Hebrews is on Jesus because Jesus enables us to know God. Jesus enables us to get to understand God a little bit. When we see Jesus, we're seeing God at work. And this means that the Jesus that we see in the Bible is the same Son of God that existed before he became incarnate as Jesus. This Jesus that we see in the Bible is the same God who exists today. He does not change. He does not alter. He does not grow. He does not get more perfect. He does not become more loving. He does not become better. He does not become worse. He does not become less loving. He doesn't become more merciful or less merciful or more gracious or less gracious. Jesus doesn't change. Jesus does not change. That means every excellent quality of Jesus Christ, from his love to his grace to his mercy to his goodness uh, to his faithfulness, every excellent quality of Jesus Christ is always there in all of its fullness. Everything we know to be true, that the Bible says that is true, about Jesus and his moral perfection, his beauty, his excellence, his worth, his worthiness, all of that doesn't change. It is absolutely the same and will be the same for all eternity. Because Jesus Christ himself is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But sometimes we just don't believe this. We can see this in, in our own selves. I mean, how many times have we thought, oh, oh, maybe God doesn't love me that much anymore. I've really messed up. I've really made these mistakes. Uh, I've really you know, disappointed God. How can God love me uh, if, 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 if I've done all of this? The thing is that God loves you. And when God started loving you, he didn't grow more in love with you. Do you get that? Because he doesn't change. Uh, when Karen and I first met, we were 12 years old. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a American dating. Uh, when we first met, we were 12 years old, and we really didn't like each other. Actually, I, I did not like her. I just didn't really pay much attention to her. Uh, and she really didn't like me because I was weird. I mean, I was a very strange 12, 13 years old. You know, I'd go to, I'd go to junior high school in a, a polyester leisure suit, green, because I'm cool, man. 
I'm cool. I, I, I did a lot of weird things. I had a couple of classes where uh, the teacher would invite me to sing, and I'd sing songs and things like that, and things that I'd written and, and all of this. And so, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, I'm a strange kid. And Karen just didn't want anything to do with anybody strange. And then uh, eventually we had a, a date uh, much later that was a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster. Uh, and we said, well, you know, I don't know who we're going to date, but probably not ever each other ever again. And then we were 18 and we started dating and things started happening and we fell in love. And I can say now that I love Karen more today than I did Gosh, how many years ago was that? 42, 43 years ago? Wow, that's a long time. That's longer than most of you have been alive. <laughs> uh, and, and I love her more today. And, and we, you know, and that sounds, oh, that's so romantic. You know, you love your wife more today. And it is romantic. It's really a cool thing, and we love that. But you know what? Even though I love my wife more today, I've also known, I've been walking with Jesus for 43 years. And I probably love Jesus more today than I did 43 years ago. But I guarantee you one thing, Jesus does not love me today more than he loved me 43 years ago. Jesus doesn't love me today more than he loved me 45 years ago before I was walking with him. Jesus doesn't love me today more than he loved me 65 years ago. And you say, well, wait, Rod, you're not 65 years old. You're right, I'm not. That means Jesus loved me before I was born. Jesus loved me before the creation of the world. And do you know, he doesn't love me more today than he loved me then. Because his love was perfect. Do you get that? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is just as good today as he was to me 43 years ago. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that happens in my life I perceive as good. There's certainly a lot of stuff that happens in my life that I don't think is very good. And there are a lot of things that are really annoying to me. And there are a lot of struggles that I have. And certainly I'm not good. And there are some days when I'm better than other days. And some days I get worse. But I know one thing, that the goodness of Jesus does not change because Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever. That is one of his excellent qualities, the fact that he does not change. His attitude toward you, his way of viewing you, does not change. Jesus knew you from the beginning. He loved you from the beginning. He died on the cross for you and rose from the dead for you from the beginning. He did that for all of us and he does not change in his commitment to us. He does not change in his favor toward us. He does not change because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God the Father does not change, and God the Holy Spirit does not change. And we know that when the revival comes, when the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, it's not doesn't make us better than the generations before us, and especially those that didn't experience revival, doesn't make us worse. It's just the greatness and the glory and the grace and the excellency of God being poured out on humanity 
this unchanging God and this unchangeable God. There is nothing in the universe that can change God's perspective. There's nothing that will change God's love. There's no power in hell, in, on earth, or in heaven that can fundamentally alter who God really is in all of his greatness, his glory, and his excellencies. Nothing changes. The cross didn't change Jesus. The empty tomb didn't change Jesus. The second coming won't change Jesus. The incarnation didn't change Jesus because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's exciting. That's the excellency of Jesus. It's amazing that Jesus is this, is like this. It's extraordinary. But we can say, well, okay, that's great. But what difference does it really make? And we see that a little bit here. In, in 2 Thessalonians, I love this verse. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. For this to make a difference, we need our hearts to be directed not only to the love of God, but also to the steadfastness of Christ. This idea of steadfastness is about constancy. It's slightly different than the term faithfulness that is earlier in that text and that we talked about a few weeks ago. Steadfastness is the fact that somebody endures, somebody is constant, somebody perseveres and will not give up and will not quit and will not surrender. So we have this Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is absolutely steadfast in his relationship with us, in his orientation toward us, and his determination to see us through to the end and to the eternal kingdom. This means every day of your life, Jesus doesn't change in his orientation toward you. Every single day, it doesn't matter if you get up feeling terrible, as some of us do just about every day. We don't want to get up. It doesn't matter if bad things seem to happen to you throughout the day. It doesn't matter how much stress you're going through. I, I look at the last year and a half of my life, and it's, in some respects, it's been some of the most stressful time of my entire life. And there's so many things over the last uh, 18 months or so that seem to have gone bad, uh, badly or been difficult. It's, it's not easy. A lot of things are really hard. You think some things should come easier and they don't and it's a real wrestle and a struggle and there's been a lot of pain and there's been a lot of stuff. But you know, none of that has changed Jesus' orientation toward me. Jesus is still committed to me. Jesus still loves me. His goodness is still upon me. His favor, His grace is still on my life. His mercy is always directed toward me. Jesus has not changed toward me in one bit. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter if I feel like the whole world is for me or against me. It doesn't matter if things are difficult or easy. Whatever we are going through... Jesus is the same toward us yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the big struggles that we face in our lives, in our understanding of God, is when we start to think that, well, maybe God's turned His back on us. Maybe God has abandoned us. I don't feel the closeness of the Holy Spirit like I once did. I don't have the joy in worshiping Jesus like I once did. 
And we think, well, God's changed. He's different. But He doesn't change. He's never different. He is always the same. And He's always the same in His relationship with us. And if we are going to endure, if we are going to survive, if we are going to thrive, we need to have the Lord direct our hearts to that reality. Your heart needs to be established in this reality. If your heart is not established in this reality, you will turn your back on God when things get tough. If your heart is not established in this reality, when you face disappointments, you will try to overcome those disappointments in your own way, in your own strength. And I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen time and again where somebody is disappointed because they feel lonely, they feel abandoned. They, they, maybe they're looking for a spouse and they don't have the spouse. Uh, maybe uh, they have friends that have turned, turned their back on them. And they say, oh, well, you know, God somehow has not fulfilled his promise. He's really changed. He's not done what I, I thought he's, he said he was going to do. Which, by the way, most of the time that's because we think that God says things that he hasn't said because it's our own imagination making them up because it's what we want to happen. But we get, we get into that. And then people say, okay, well, if God's not going to do that, then I'm going to go sleep around and I guess the the source is I, I need to have sex and if I have sex with the right person you know maybe they'll come and I won't feel lonely anymore and we make all kinds of terrible choices or we have you know I, I, I really think I need this blessing in my life this this new thing that God is going to give and so I'm going to go out and make it happen I, I remember a number of years ago this is a lot of years ago Karen and I were praying Uh, about getting a new vehicle. We needed a new vehicle. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Rod, by this date, you know, you're going to have a new vehicle. And so I was excited. I was really excited. Uh, And then as the date got closer and things didn't happen, uh, Karen's grandfather, uh, who was, you know, secure financially, he had often said that if we ever needed to borrow any money, we could do that. And so about a month before the date, I asked him, uh, Karen and I asked him if, if he would loan us a certain amount of money. It wasn't a big amount of money, but he you know, willingly just said yes. And ended up writing off part of that in the end. He said yes, and so we got the new vehicle, and we had the vehicle by that date. But we had debt to pay off then. And to this day, I have very few regrets in my life, but to this day, I regret borrowing the money. I should have waited until June. I think it was the month of June. I should have waited until June to see what happened, And then, maybe, but I didn't. I sought to make it happen, even though it was something that I felt God had promised. And to this day, I believe God did promise it and probably would have fulfilled it in a different way. How many times do we do that? And we do that because our hearts are not directed to the reality of the steadfastness of Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the reality that we live in. And that is what we need to realize every day of our lives. And that's what we need to celebrate every day of our lives. In the dark times that I've gone through, God has taught me over the years now that he does not change. And so I have known now in every dark time that I've gone through and some of the darkest times that I've been through, even in the midst of it, I've just said, okay, Father, I don't see where this is going. I don't see how this is going to work out, but I trust you and I will now do what you tell me to do.
And sometimes, let me tell you, when I thought God would come to the rescue in three weeks, he took three years. Sometimes, when I thought God was going to do something right away, he took an extended period of time. Some words that God has given me are words that were for 20 years in advance. And he's taught me that he does not change. And let me tell you, when you're in the darkness of struggle, when you're in the darkness of a moment, 